0: Plantation the Church presents The Bible Unmasked. Read your Bible daily and join us every Sunday at 7.30pm for our weekly discussion. From Genesis to Revelation, let's read the Bible in themes with Season 2 of The Bible Unmasked.
1: Hello and welcome to Episode 29 of The Bible Unmasked. We're so glad you have joined us today. We are going to be studying the book of Titus, that small little book near the end of the Bible right after 1st and 2nd Timothy, and our theme here is choosing leaders based on character. So Dexter, can you tell us a little bit about the theme? And our um, we have our guest here, and um, it's already Zoom has played a trick on us. It has gone on to our guest already a few times here, so we want to welcome um, Pastor Marsh here. Welcome,
2: good. Welcome, preacher. You both, and glad to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Amen. Amen. So, so the theme: choosing leadership based on character. Um, Titus was sent to the island of Crete, um, Creek, and um, Paul was asking him to. Raise up a church um um leadership and he gave him specific criteria for how to choose them. How did we how did we get to to ask Pastor Dr. Govon Marsh to join us? Um th- this is our field secretary for the South. So he is in charge of all the I think it's about 115 pastors, Pastor Marsh
2: um not quite i don't i have all the passes except the spanish-speaking passes if i had the spanish-speaking passes then yes it would be around that
0: okay wow um and your your territory is from is it from west palm beach all the way to lehigh acres or something like that
2: uh they have reconfigured it so right now i'm responsible for the churches from Palm Bay County, so South Brevard, they're about all the way down to Key West on the East Coast. Oh. So that takes up the Tri-County area and um, parts of the um, the South Brevard area. So Palm Beach, Miami-Dade and then parts of um, South Brevard or Palm Bay area.
0: Wow, that's a large territory, man. Um, So, so Pastor Marsh is the one responsible for hiring, and in the rare cases, firing um, good pastors and bad pastors. Um, So, I mean, who better could we find to talk about this process and if Titus is actually useful, um, how Titus could be useful in his processing, um, in his deliberations, All right. That's why we have passed the marsh list.
1: Okay. Wonderful. Good. Well, before we go any further, we want to, obviously we want to invite God's presence. So let's begin with prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for another opportunity where we can open your word together and share and, and talk about um, the things that you have seen as important for us to understand and to know. And so I pray that you open our minds And may your Holy Spirit give us wisdom and understanding and our our listeners as well. Um, We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen.
1: Hey, so you want to grab your Bibles. And again, we're turning to the book of Titus. And we're going to go to chapter 1, verse 5. For this reason, I left you in Crete, that you might set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. And our tip here is choose your leaders in the way you were chosen. Seek to give the call like you received it. And our question is, is there value in learning how you received your calling and others' experiences with their calling?
0: Mm. Um, Doc Doc Marsh, this is this is in your lap. So I think w- w- what what I'm trying to ask is y- your own journey with God, your own calling to ministry. Um, you've you've pastored in Jamaica, um, you've pastored in South Florida, um, but now you have to you have to be the like I said the one who is hiring, and you've been hired. Um, you have to be the one assessing. The validity, as it were, tell me if I'm wrong though, of 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 people being called, especially and if they're a good fit um, for the needs that you have in South Florida. So my my the the question I'm asking is, how has your calling to ministry impacted how you assess and hire and place pastors?
2: So I I. I... I love this book, and, um, you know, as I was reading my Bible that I, I have my notes in, um, and that particular verse, which Liz just read, and if you look at the verses thereafter, one of the questions I have about it is, like, why does Paul need to literally spell out the qualifications for leadership? If you read verse 6 onward, he he identifies those things. And, and so, in light of your question, it seems to me that... I must be certain that God has placed a call in my life. Um, I don't want to be involved in something that is not for me. I've found that if it's not for me, then it might be a matter of wasting time. It might be a matter of expending unnecessary energy. I don't think that that is something God wants us to do so for me understanding God's call firstly is very important because it means that I am placed where God wants me to be placed. I heard, for example, of one young man who, when he was asked about why he's in ministry, he said, well, I couldn't find anything else to do. Oh boy. What <laughs> um, really, if you couldn't find anything else to do, then our ministry was the next best thing. Is that really how God operates? Is that really the call wants in his life i've heard comments like that and so you want to make sure that you understand god's design for your life and then when you're looking for leaders you want to understand if they understand the same if i'm in an interview process for example and you say to me i couldn't find anything better else to do then I'm sorry, that's a clear sign that um, I have better things to do than to employ you (laughs) because I'm not going to put you in ministry if you can't find anything else to do. How has God demonstrated that he is calling you? What signs or how have you seen his leading in your life to show that this is where he wants you to be? So for me, for example, I'll, I'll share a little bit. When I was in high school, I did very well in the sciences. I was a top math and chemistry student in my class. And my teachers were convinced that, you know what, this guy needs to do medicine. He needs to do medicine. And they kept saying that to me. But there was this other teacher who um, always see me in debates because I was part of the debate team. I'd love to preach as a young man going around preaching, et cetera. And he was saying to me, are you sure... Medicine is the way God wants you to go, and I kid you not. I recall in the Caribbean we do the CXC's, etc. I'll never forget this. And I don't know if there was this was the right prayer to pray, a preacher, but I prayed because I was at a crossroads: do I go into medicine or do I want to pursue ministry? And I'm not lying to you. I prayed before those exams. Um, I think it would be equivalent to like the um, the MCAT here or something to that effect. I prayed and I said, God. If you want me to go into ministry, then let me, let me, let me fail um oh, chemistry and physics. Oh Lord.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did.
2: I kid you not. I kid you not. But I and but and here's what all the time I was praying, preparing, and I did very well in my preparations, et cetera. I kid you not. Can I tell you that when we got the results, I got the highest grade. And the highest grade was um what was the grade that I got? All I know is that everybody else got U, which means ungraded. I guess they did so badly that they got a U, <laughs> and I got—I think I got a D or something like that. I—it I <laughs> was a race to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What's going on here?" And I—I I wrestled with that thing because I couldn't believe one of my professors, one of my teachers, like, "No, you have to retake this and all of that." I literally took time off. And just spent wrestling with God, praying, and talking with others to see is this where God really wants me to be? And after much prayer and much deliberation and counsel, especially with my parents, my father in particular, we were convinced that God wanted me to pursue a ministry. And honestly, I've had no regrets ever since. Um, and He has He has confirmed that call in my life in various ways. And when I went to college, That's actually a question we would have on Friday nights when we had ministry of fellowship. And it would be amazing to hear how God worked in miraculous ways to place a call on the lives of others. So I want to see that God has demonstrated his call in your life before I even entertain the idea of possibly placing you in ministry. And that call can be demonstrated through the giftedness, through the counsel of others and through various other means. But definitely want to know, that God has placed a call in your life, and that you're not doing this simply because you have nothing else to do.
0: Mercy. No, no. Have you really had people say to you? Not, I mean, not outright, but have you honestly gotten a sense from people that, well, I, I'm just marking time. I don't have anything else to do. Why not? Why not come and pastor? Have you Have you really gotten that, or you're just giving a scenario? No, we have gotten that. I seriously have gotten
2: that. And additionally, okay. I saw that when i was in college too when i was in college i won't forget there's one particular individual is amazing man um (laughs) it's almost as if religion attracted the, the 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 field and school of religion attracted individuals who just felt that this was easy this was you know, something that anybody could do. And then they came to Greek and Hebrew class and they realized, you know, this, this ain't for me. Because... <laughs> no, seriously, people think as long as you can read the Bible and say something, then you're qualified for ministry. You're good to go. You're good to go. You're well, good to well, go.
0: Yeah. Well, well their the, the thinking is not far off if you were not Adventist. And I, I'm, this is not me being biased mm. because I, I, I have taught um i've i've taught people from other faiths that were preparing mm-hmm. for their masters and i remember i was at a baptist seminary and uh, the young lady being trained alongside me for for pastoral ministry we sat down and we were doing the book of isaiah and she could not find it oh wow this is at the master's level it is not mm-hmm. you know um so so uh, again i'm not bigging up my religion Per se, but what I'm saying is, a lot of people in other faiths, especially if they could Mm -hmm. read the Bible well enough, they 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 put them in. Yeah, Uh, you put them in. You go. You're a pastor. Yeah, but that thing about Greek, you said we had a thing in um in the islands where we would say Greek determined if you were called or you just came.
2: (laughs) There you go.
0: (laughs) Did you get a calling from God or you heard an echo? You know, he called somebody else. But
2: but, and might I say. Before, by might I say, what many folks don't realize, a lot of the greatest theologians in this world, um, and those have contributed significantly, they didn't just get up and read the Bible and say, oh, I'm called. No, look at Martin Luther, for example. He was a lawyer. He was a great thinker and writer and all of these things. So the point is, there is a calling on your life does not mean that God is not going to prepare you and prepare you
0: adequately. Right. Wow. That's good. That's good. How how do you relate this now to when the the pastor now has to um pick someone for elder and deacon and so on? How, how do you um how do they assess that this person is fit or called, like Titus was teaching, like Paul was teaching Titus to do?
2: And if you look at the the, the, the text, both in Titus and in Timothy, Paul often gives specific criteria, one of which is you can't be a novice. Um, And and, uh, that means you can be someone who is a newbie, um, new at this, who has no experience or or anything in that regard. So when we're choosing leaders, what we do, um, even at the local church level, one of the things we do is, and I highly recommend this to pastors, there are many spiritual gifts, tests that are out there now that you can utilize to understand how God has gifted individuals because we believe that when we give our lives to Jesus, the spirit works in two ways. He works through the fruit of the spirit. The Bible says the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also the gifts of the spirit. That means that God gifts us with certain qualifications and we can find that out by using certain, um, you know, gifted of uh, the tests that have been prepared to find out how has God equipped you? Are you equipped in the area of leadership? Are you equipped in the area of preaching? Are you equipped in the, the area of, of, of music? Whatever the case is. One Sabbath, I preached at a church to demonstrate this. And um, I, I used to play the piano. I could play it very well. And then I had a teacher who I just never liked. And I, she hit me on my finger one day. Um, for those who've been back in the days, you'll understand that have a rule that if you don't bend your fingers properly, you know, you'd get a slap. I mean, this woman would shout at me and I, I just never liked that. and I fussed with my parents and I just never wanted to continue. And so I showed to the church one Sabbath, I was preaching and making the point that who would you want to be your musician? So what I did is I went on the piano and I, I played a song. And I made sure I choose a song that I knew and I just started playing and oh, they were surprised because they didn't know Pastor Marsh could actually play the piano. But then I called my professor from college. Who, oh, he? That man, that man is amazing. He is he has um, perfect pitch. If he hears a key, he can tell you what it is. That's how good he is. And wow. when he played the same song, the church just erupted. And then I asked the question. Who do you want to be your musician (laughs) of course they didn't (laughs) want me (laughs) they wanted him because he had been trained in that area he had been gifted in that area and so we could clearly make the distinction so there are tests that you can do in that regard outside of that um individuals can be trained i remember my dad he he trained individuals and helped them to develop their gifts and so they become qualified for ministry so we're not just randomly picking people because oh i want to be this or oh i want to be that have you been trained in this area are you gifted in these areas and if so then how can we use your gifts
0: by the spirits
2: leading to benefit the church.
0: Wow, man. Um, Doc, I am drinking as you're speaking. This is rich, man. No, no, b- back up to your parents a bit before Liz jumps into her next question. See, now that you're a parent, uh, you, you have two amazing kids, um, and, and then you you have desires for them even now. I'm sure you have desires for them, stuff that you would like them, um, you'd like them to, to become all that God has called them to be looking back now, be your parents, your parents for for one minute. what would have gone through your parents' head in encouraging you in the path of ministry because come on you you wouldn't want to have a a, a a child that's a doctor, a physician. I would love that you know that's a that's bragging mm-hmm. rights as it were and, and 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 then this is the Caribbean now, you know where you know becoming a physician is I mean that's huge. In, in in a lot of settings, that's bigger than a pastor, professionally. Yep. So wh- why would your parents nudge you in that direction as opposed to telling you, hey, double down, go back and do that chemistry. And don't bring no D here for me or no U. <laughs> why would they, t- t- talk for them if you could.
2: Um, You know, my my father, many people actually think my father is a pastor, but, you know, he's not. He was just an elder in the church. And um, back in the day as well, before he became an Adventist, he- he was a deacon in the Baptist church and at the time he was a deacon, he wasn't married. And from my understanding, that was very unusual, especially for the Baptist church way back then. And then when they became Adventist, he was so involved in the church as an elder. He, well, at one point in time, he was basically a district elder from my understanding, overseeing wow. multiple churches. And so people, you know, thought he was a pastor. And so I grew up watching him and um, seeing him lead in church. And so, for, for my parents, ministry was always an honorable thing. And so, I had that example. And so, as much as initially, you know, I, I, I thought I wanted to do medicine, they were not going to impose their ideas on me. And I noticed they didn't do that for any of their children. They encouraged us um, to pursue specific things. Um, but if they realized that our bent was towards something else, They would counsel with us to see, is this really what you want to do? And then encourage you along the same. And because my dad had such a high esteem for ministry, and I I don't even know if he actually wanted to be a pastor. I never got that impression. But just the work of ministry was important to him. And I believe when he saw or or, um, realized that I wanted to pursue that, it was easy for him and my mother to encourage me in that regard because they they hold ministry and the work of ministry in high regard um that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that um you don't carefully give guidance to your children because that is important i was talking to someone the other day and i know friends who have six figures in debt and they don't have a phd or a medical degree or anything like that they spent the first couple of years in college just lally-gagging not knowing what they wanted to do and then you you end up with all this debt you have to be wise you have to be wise so we look for um the giftedness in our children and provide guidance that will help them to pursue the path god wants them to pursue i remember talking to a friend recently um you 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 know him dr hoylet dr newton hoylet and telling me about his daughter that from a child she always plays doctor um, um patient the daughter always played doctor patient with the mom and so when they realized that they encouraged that and she became a doctor so you have to look for right. your child's direction and bend and find appropriate ways to encourage that and 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 help them in
0: that way wisdom wisdom
1: thank you it's been interesting listening to you share your calling and your stories there let's keep going now and we're going to go to um Verse seven of chapter one, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnish, not fond of sordid gain. So our um, tip here is someone addicted to vices has little self-control. Their ability to have moral anatomy would be greatly diminished. So our question is, how do you go about finding out a potential leader's morality and conduct? Mm,
0: this is a good question because we've had we've had um pastors, um, Dr. Marsh, that has not always represented well um um Paul's Paul's counsel to Titus. And um yeah, and it's it's uh, and it's, it's a difficult question to ask you. You've you've been in this position for about three years or four years, right? It feels like a well, long time. Almost, yeah. Wow. So <laughs> yeah. so we can't. In in a sense, if if you make a bad hire, and the person messes up, it happened on your watch. In one mm-hmm. sense, you're responsible for that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, which people don't realize how difficult hiring is because it's almost like a marriage. You know you you know it's yeah Anyhow, but so so that's the question how do you gauge this somebody's morality when you know people live one thing and preach another well, firstly
2: it's interesting that paul would even identify that the leaders you're choosing must have these qualifications which suggests that in the church there were leaders we'll who Mercy. Um, we're not blameless Mercy. they were not good steward they were it's, it's amazing that's good so, yeah that's what the text is suggesting in crete the church there you had some reproachable characters <laughs> and so we have to be wise because let's face it um you know people can be wolves in sheep clothing right um and we don't always know that because people can talk a good game and people can you know you know but one thing i've found out you know last night i'm not kidding you i was in a search committee looking for a senior pastor for a church and um a similar question was asked and um one of the things we observed was simply this these days um when we're looking for our hiring individuals, one of the first things we do is that we go check out people's social media page. Oh, almost everybody has a social media page these days. And we do that because social media, you know, one of the things I I've been tar- grappling with recently is whether or not social media is good for democracy, you know, <laughs> because every anybody can go on social media these days and, you know, they, they they people are just unfilled, They're, they just state their mind, right, right, freedom right. of expression, et cetera, et cetera. And you'll be surprised to know that even among ministers and people who are studying for the ministry, you get a good sense of who they are by just going on their social media page wow, this is and taking this is look at what they, they 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 say, what they promote, what they subscribe to, how they express themselves, and all of these things. That gives you a sense. Now, again, you can't always gauge that because people can come to an interview and make a very good impression, and then when you 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 hire them. You are like, what, what, what went wrong here? What went wrong? But one of the things we do, you know, interview processes, we give people scenarios and and and, and ask them to, you know, tell us how you would deal with such and such an issue. Just give me give you a simple one. For example, let's say we're hiring someone who has to work as an associate with a senior pastor. A question we would ask, for example, is um, let's say members are trying to pit you against your senior pastor or trying to get you to work against your senior pastor, and you paint a scenario, ask them, how would you deal with this? How would you deal with this? And it's interesting that more times than not, um, uh, depending on how you paint the scenario, People will give themselves away and you'll realize that, you know what, this one is not going to be a good associate. They're a good follower because clearly they have certain selfish ambitions and just want to promote themselves as opposed to working for the good of the organization or for the team. So it's, it's not always an easy thing to gauge, but I find that you can find out about people on their social media. You can learn more about them by a given scenario and you give people time and they will manifest who they are. Right. I promise right. you, give people time and they'll manifest themselves who you are. And that's where the unfortunate responsibility of keeping people accountable sometimes by either putting them on administrative leave or even letting them go becomes an issue. But we're not entering this with the we're not going there with a mindset that you know Everybody is bad and we're just waiting for them to prove themselves bad. No, we give people the benefit of the doubt, so to speak. We believe if you say God has called you, you have called you. But we state clearly that these are our expectations. We have orientations for our pastors where we we identify certain things. By the way, I don't know if people know this, but in the Sunday Adventist church, where pastors are concerned, we do a stewardship background check. Which means that if you, for example, expect the members to contribute faithfully to the church, we're expecting you, the pastors, to do the same. So if we're going to hire you, we do a background check to see if you've been faithful in stewardship. (laughs) I remember um, a friend who was sharing a situation with me where another friend, um, a friend of his or someone he knew, was 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 told that they're going to do a background check and the man was frightened and he's like man i wonder if i can pay up a year's worth of time.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so yeah there are uh, there are ways we, we 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 try to ensure that we keep individuals um, <laughs> faithful to what god demands yeah, in terms yeah. of the moral standard and principles that are expected i like that yeah, those are some
1: Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you. Let's um, move along here. And we're going to go now to Titus 2, chapter 2, verse 3. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. And our tip is challenging people to grow is a form of affirmation. So often the elderly are written off as stuck in their ways and useless. So our question is what helps you not overlook potential in the elderly or the seemingly weak.
0: Wow, this I, you, you know coming from me this question is important. So in other words, how how do you hire um people who have let's say physical challenges or how do you avoid discrimination in your hiring practice? And you coming from me I you know like in my early days of um of trying to get a job as a pastor it was difficult because most Mm -hmm. conferences obviously they couldn't say it but they're like well how would you get around how would you do this um which are legitimate issues right um but but so how do you not and and, and, in in titus case paul was challenging him to challenge the older woman and i like what you said earlier that you, you kind of flipped it. His admonition came from um, the egregious practices that he was seeing. So old women were, were just left to be slackers to a large extent. So he's like, no, don't waste that human potential. How do you not waste human potential or overlooked giftedness because of either a physical challenge or they're too old? How do you go about doing that? So... Well, for one,
2: as it pertains to, as it pertains to any discriminatory, it is fortunately in these days, especially in America. um, The government is very serious about keeping us accountable and that's why you go to certain places, for example, you go to certain supermarkets. And you'll see that, you know, you can't, you have a lot of supposedly older folks working that's because they're protected by the law in terms of, you know, employment, you can't just. Discriminate because of age or anything like that. And we're careful about that. So, in our employment process, there are certain questions we don't ask. You know, we're not going to ask you how old are you? Oh, so you're 50, forget you. We can't use you. No, we don't do stuff like that. So, you can't discriminate because of age, because of any disability, because of the color of skin or ethnicity or anything like that. So, on one side, we have the law that keeps us accountable. And I think that is good. It therefore means that if the the, the, the non-Christian, the law, the legal system can see the importance of that. And how much about us who are the children of God, because we have a responsibility. If we say, this is the family of God, the family of God doesn't exclude those who are older or not as, 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 as we are, because they have a disability or anything like that. No, if anything, we should be modeling to the world, the importance of doing this. And hence, we are very serious about letting our workers know that we value them. We value them. And um, we we I give you an example. We have a lot of retirees who, if we have a vacancy and we need an interim, they're the ones we call on. right. They have the wisdom, they have the expertise. Right. They have the the, the knowledge and they're able to help us. Now, they may not be able to do this full-time, but they're willing to come in and be the interim and give guidance. We depend on these individuals also to give guidance to younger pastors. So we encourage younger pastors, counsel with them. They might be older and retired, but it doesn't mean that they have expired. They still have the ability to make a difference. And what's interesting, you know, there are many great men and women and individuals who have made contributions to this world, not when they were young, but when they were much older. Wow. And more significant contributions they've made is not when they were in the prime of their lives, but when they were much older. Look at Abraham, Abraham and it's Sarah, right. <laughs> 90 and 100, when yeah. God used them to make a difference in this world. So the point is the aged those who may have disabilities or whatever other issues that we may believe doesn't qualify them, no, we, we're not going to discriminate on that. If anything, we encourage it, and we encourage that by finding appropriate ways to utilize their skills and giftedness that God has given them.
0: Very affirming, very powerful. My, my last final question as we wrap up, and again, um, Doc Marsh, man, your responding and saying yes to us meant a lot because, I, I mean, you, you heard his district, right, Liz? You know, so he's, that's a lot of driving. That's a lot of, and, and, you know, you have a family and yet still you said yes. So Plantation is grateful and we really enjoyed your interim work with us. We are grateful for, for Pastor Rose, but we were happy that you were able to, to be a a, a part of our church family. Uh, so the final question is, did you particularly take anything away from Titus um, for your own Processing your own journey um, as it pertains to to hiring, um, as it pertains to being the leader of our leadership. That's question one. And the last part of the question, before I forget, um, for most of your pastoral life, you've been you've been one of one of us. You know, you've been a colleague, and now you just moved from a colleague to being our boss. How how did you make that transition? I know two-loaded questions, but give, give me your best shot. Number one,
2: well, as it pertains to Titus, one of the things that I believe that, or that I use as it pertains to um ministry and affirming individuals in ministry is that we do not write up individuals simply because of their background or their heritage, but we invest in them, believing that God can use them to make a difference in the world. Why do I say that? When you look at the context of Crete, as I mentioned earlier, um, yeah, the the, the, the the caliber of people from Crete were, were, they were the most desirable. And that's why Paul was very careful to say to him, you have to look for these criteria among the leaders. He understood that the context in which Titus was operating is one where there was some significant moral deficiency. But out of that, he was expected to find leaders, well,
1: listen, which
2: means listen. that individuals experience transformation to grace, which is why I love particularly particular chapter three, where it talks about the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, Amen. teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldliness, we must live godly and soberly. So grace, Nothing. Can take people from a place where they had significant moral deficiencies to now where they're qualified to lead in wow. gospel. Wow! And I've seen that so many times. You know, I remember in my home church there were individuals who couldn't read, couldn't write, and lived a certain type of life. They came and joined the church, and it wasn't any government program or anything like that. It were leaders in the church who invested in them, taught them to read, helped them. No, you go and see these people on YouTube and all they speak and are uh, involved in the work of ministry, and you would think that they attended some great university. The only university they attended was a university of grace at the local church. Hallelujah. Grace that transformed them. So I applied that principle. I'm not writing off anyone because I've seen how God's grace has transformed and created leaders out of what we would think. Were the most undesirables wow that's number one number two the transition (laughs) from colleague to boss um uh let's just say this initially i grappled with whether or not i should have even accepted um this 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 position because um a number of us were asked to interview for it and when I reluctantly went to the interview. I didn't want to. And I called um, a colleague of mine, a, a mentor of mine. You know, He said something to me, which is true, that um, sometimes if you don't um, go and say yes, in the future, they'll not consider you <laughs> if there's anything else that comes <laughs> up. So I said, you know, let, let me go <laughs> out of formality. But I knew it would not be an easy transition once I decided to accept this call. Um, because, for one, and I'm glad Paul said this to Titus, well, to Timothy, and he also said it indirectly to Titus. As a younger person, I'm recalled now to, to manage individuals, many of them who are older than me, and have, in some respects, many more years of um, ministry or experience in ministry. Um, it, they could easily despise my youth. They could easily say, you know, I'm not going to listen to this man because, you know, what can he tell me or anything like that. Um, And so um, I've learned to depend on God to give leadership. And I, 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 I try my best to invest in the pastors. And I don't try to be what I'm not. Right. So if I know, for example, that I can't give expertise or leadership in certain areas, I don't even try that. I call on individuals who can help me with that. Wow um, I, I also uh, counsel with them, you know, listen to them to understand their their um, station in life, their ministry, etc, and to see how we can, provide leadership for them in that regard. Um ultimately though, I've come to realize that there's truth to the, the idea that whoever God calls, he equips. Love it. You know, he equips you to do whatever he calls you to do. And then with the support from the organization in terms of you know my vice president and other leaders, I'm able to 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 show the leadership or give the leadership necessary to the pastors. I will say this, however, I will say this to whoever, that before taking this position, I never had so many gray hairs. I don't know if you can see this.
0: <laughs>
2: um, because, because it's one thing to lead sheep. It's another thing to lead shepherds.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, wow, Wow. It's one thing to lead sheep. It's another thing to lead shepherds because you're, you're, you're basically chief among your equals and how do you do that without being, you know, condescending or or dictatorial or anything like that. You have to find a way to demonstrate that we are all equal, but at the same time, it's my responsibility to give leadership because you can't have all, all chiefs and no Indians, so to speak. Someone has to give the leadership and... um. By God's grace, I believe he has helped me to make that transition and to demonstrate to my colleagues that we are working together towards the same common purpose. And God has called me to help you to work towards that. So I, I hope I answered you, man, because that's, oh, a, difficult man. Question, man.
0: No, that's man. a difficult question, right? No, man. You yeah. know, you
2: can't ask questions
0: like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, this is rich, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, Doc.
1: Thank you. This has definitely been a, a wonderful time and experience to learn more about um, the church at at a, at a leadership level. Right. So thank you and thank you um, to our audience also for joining us. And um, we have episode thirty coming next, which is what's oh
0: start? my episode thirty. We're jumping into the book of Philemon's, and we'll deep we'll be dealing with. Forgiveness and reconciliation. And um, we're sticking with the pastors. Okay. We have Pastor Jennifer Hernandez, um, right, our pastor right here at Plantation. And oh my goodness, her insights, her her narrating the journey of um Onesiphorus, um and Philemons is just so rich. So you really, really, really want to pull up a chair. Um, and attend next week. Send a message out to your friends that this is really going to be powerful. Philemon's forgiveness and reconciliation,
1: right? So, we want to remind you again that our show is premiering again Sunday evening at 7 30. So, tune in to hear next week on Philemon. And to close now, I am just going to ask Pastor Marsh if you could just um uh, pray a, a closing prayer for us, please.
2: Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for considering us, sinful human beings who do not deserve your grace and mercy, to be a part of this ministry, this great work. the so grateful that your grace is sufficient. And so we fall on the mercies of Jesus today and pray that you help us to sense our inadequacies, but to understand that your strength is made perfect in our weakness may we continue to apply your word to our lives and i pray that through this platform and through this program many will understand your demands for their lives will accept and apply and live in accordance with your will bless our hosts in a very special way and we ask that this program will continue to make a difference in the lives of men and women, boys and girls, for their salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: Plantation Asia Church presents The Bible Unmasked. Read your Bible daily and join us every Sunday at 7.30 p.m. for our weekly discussion. From Genesis to Revelation, let's read the Bible in themes with Season 2 of The Bible Unmasked.